0: Hey, good morning, everybody, good to see you. Welcome to River Glen, and uh, those of you joining us online, uh, so grateful to have you uh, here uh, with us. Uh, before we get started, a couple things. Uh, tonight's the big game, all right? And uh, show of hands, we've got, we got the Eagles, we've got the Patriots. How many of you want the uh, Patriots to win? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> how many want the Eagles to win? All right, that's an Eagles crowd. All right, how many don't care? You're gonna, you know, you're gonna watch the commercials, okay. Interesting, interesting. All right, second thing before we get started, I want, I want you to know next weekend, a uh, new series, Divine Direction Begins, and I'm just really pumped about this series because we've never done a series on this subject before. We're way overdue. It's, uh, it's a series on decision-making on this, uh, based on this new book by Craig Rochelle, uh, great book. You might want to pick that up. And as we do with all new series, we're going to launch a new small group, Thursdays, 6.30, Fireplace, show up and uh, we'll have a a group for you. But this is so practical that uh, we uh, put together a divine decision small group kit. Because some of you, you know, maybe you want to launch a group with your family, with some friends, with some workers. There's a bag, there's these uh, uh, kits available at the connect wall. Pick one of those up. We're giving you everything that you need. Videos, study guides. There's even a a bag of popcorn in there. And uh, pick one up after the service and uh, launch a group on your own, and dive deeper into uh, divine uh, direction. Well, today we're finishing up a series on prayer, and we've talked about prayer before, but this is different. These prayers that we're talking about, they're not predictable, uh, they're not safe, that's why we're calling this series dangerous prayers. These are daring prayers. Week number one, we, we, we learn to pray, God, your will be done. Week number two, we talked about the power of intercessory prayer. Praying for other people, you might remember we brought Moses up on stage. We had some fun, that was was a good time. Week number three, we learned to pray, God, search me, examine my life. And then last week, Andy did a great job teaching us to pray, God, cleanse me. Now today we're gonna learn what what is probably my favorite dangerous prayer. Because this is a prayer of availability. Here's something I've noticed uh, over the years about my prayers and about many of the prayer requests that we receive on the weekend. Many people turn in re- uh, prayer requests on the, on the weekend and we love that uh, when, you, when, when you do that. We've got a team of people that uh, pray for those requests. But something I've noticed, generally speaking, we request prayer for things that directly affect our lives and the lives of people that we, that we love. God, would you do this for me? God, would you heal my grandmother? God, would you help me find a new job? Would you help me to get into this school? God, would you bless me as I do such and such? And these prayers are great. We should absolutely continue to pray these kinds of things. But instead of just praying, God, would you do this for me? A dangerous way to pray pray would be to say, God, what can I do for you? Instead of just, God, bless me, keep me safe, God, I'm your servant. I'm available to do whatever you want me to do. Uh, God, I, I, I am, I'm here to serve you. Prayer, today's about a prayer of availability. And this is dangerous because if you pray this prayer, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. He might change your life. You know what, he might interrupt your life. He might send some of you to uh, Africa. I know that probably sounds crazy, but you know what, we're actually sending a team of people this next week to Africa for 10 days to serve the poor. Maybe God will send you next time. Maybe God will lead some of you to become pastors, youth pastors, worship pastors. He might lead you to stay somewhere when you thought maybe you were supposed to go somewhere. He might lead you to a different job. He might lead you to serve somewhere. He might uh, move you to break up with somebody and he gives you an upgrade. I don't know, maybe he moves you from being a cat person to a dog person. I don't know, whatever it might be. When you make yourself available to God, he's going to speak to you. He's going to prompt you. He's going to call you. It doesn't mean that your phone rings. It means that he is going to move you to say or do something that he wants done. So it's an incredibly dangerous prayer that we're going to learn to pray today. But I'm going to call a timeout right here because I think some of you might be thinking, okay, Ben, that's nice, but I don't really pray that way. Maybe you feel kind of like a spiritual failure, like a uh, participation trophy, kind of Christian, and you don't even have a desire to pray this kind of prayer. And if that's, if that's a struggle for you, you know what? You're in pretty good company. Some of the greatest people in the Bible felt the same way. I wanna, I wanna show you three different responses to God's call, and this will lead us to our dangerous prayer. The first one comes from a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Jonah. Here's how Jonah responded to God. He said, uh, God, here, here I am, God, I'm not going. Uh, In Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, God says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But what did Jonah do? Jonah runs in the opposite direction, and uh, he basically says, God, not today. I'm not going. And I wonder how many of us have had a similar experience. You felt prompted to do something. You were supposed to help someone. You were supposed to reach out. You were supposed to bless someone. You were supposed to say something. But here I am, God, not doing it. Not today, I'm not going. A few years ago, I sensed God leading me to reach out to a person in my web of relationships. I had this window of opportunity to reach out to this person, but I put it off, and I kept putting it off, and I never got around to doing it. Uh, And and I feel bad about it uh, to this day. A few years have gone by, we've gone separate directions. You know, maybe God will give me another opportunity. I hope he does with this person. But God sent me, and I basically said, not today. I'm not going, and I regret that. The second example is Moses, and here's what Moses said. Here I am, God, send somebody else. Send my brother. This is not my perfect calling. In verse 10 of Exodus chapter three, God spoke and said to Moses, now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And this is something Moses would have agreed. This needs to be done. But instead of saying, sure, I'll go, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. Somebody else would do a better job than I would. Here I am, God. Send somebody else. I'm not the right person. And it's so easy for us to do this too. We think other people have more time than I do. Other people have more talent than I do. Other people have more money to give. than than I do, here I am, God, send someone else. Jonah said, here I am, I'm not going. Moses said, here I am, send somebody else. But then Isaiah prays a very dangerous prayer that I want us to say today. In Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? I want you to notice what Isaiah then says in this prayer response to God, but Before I read it, I want you to notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, God, where are you sending me? What, uh, you know, what's the climate there? What's the pay range? You know, are there benefits? How much vacation time? He doesn't ask about any of that. Here's what Isaiah did, he simply signed a blank contract and he said to God, here I am God, say it with me, send me. Yeah, that's our dangerous prayer. And uh, today, I want to challenge you. I want to dare you. I want to motivate you to pray a similar prayer. Here I am, God. I'm available. Here I am, God. I give you permission to interrupt me. God, if you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. God, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. God, if you want me to say something, I'll speak. Uh, God, if you want me to, to pray, I'll pray. If, if you want me to give, I'll, 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 I'll give. If you want me if, to use my time, whatever you need me to do, whatever it is, God, here I am. I'm completely available to you. I am your servant. God, here I am, send me. That's an incredibly dangerous prayer because when you start praying it, I'm confident. God is gonna move you. God's gonna lead you. God's gonna prompt you to do some things and you're gonna discover that God has a lot of things for you to do when you begin to pray, here I am, send me. But how do we get there? How do we develop this kind of attitude of availability and surrender. So what I wanna do, I wanna try and answer that by looking at the verses that lead up to this surrendered prayer from the prophet Isaiah. What do you need to fully surrender to God? Three experiences, and if you're taking notes, I hope that you'll write these down. Number one, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. You need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Verse one says, in the year that King Uzziah Uh, Died, I, help me out here, saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Here's what happened Isaiah saw the presence of God. He saw God in all of his majesty, in all of his honor. Scripture goes on to talk about these angelic beings, they're called seraphim. These angelic beings worship and praise God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Almighty. And look at how Isaiah describes the sound of their voices. He says that the sound of, of their, these angelic beings, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And so the next time you, you, know, you can feel the music in this room pounding in your chest, the next time you, you feel the music just kind of shaking the room in here and the haze filling up on stage. You know what, we're, just, we're being biblical, okay? We're just doing what the scripture says um, right here. And when Isaiah saw the presence of God, when he saw the majesty of God, it changed him, transformed him. So why is it that you might not be very available to God? Maybe it's because it's been a while since you've had a genuine experience with his presence. Why is it that you might not find yourself saying this prayer. Here I am, God, send me. Maybe it's because you've not recently experienced the presence of, of, of God. Sometimes that describes me. Sometimes that happens to me. Sometimes I get a little busy and stressed out, try to do too much. I'm not complaining about it. I'm, I'm not like, you know, wham, wham, wham. My life's tough because I know that many of you have very busy schedules, and I love, I enjoy what I do. But sometimes it, I get a little consumed a little caught up in it. You'd think I would know better, but sometimes I just pack too much into my schedule. And I've learned I can tell when I'm too busy. I know the warning signs. I start worrying more. I spend less time with God. I get in a hurry. And when I'm in a hurry, I forget things even, even more uh, than I normally do. It's like my memory stops working when I get too busy. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had a really busy week, really busy day. And I'm driving to this appointment in the evening, very important important appointment, and my my fuel light comes on. And uh, I'm almost out of gas. The uh, the range, the miles I can go are not enough uh, to get to this meeting, and I have to make it to this uh, meeting, but I think, okay, no big deal, I'll just stop and get some gas. And then I discovered I forgot my wallet uh, back at the office, and I don't have time to go back. Never had this happen before, out of gas, out of money. I didn't know whether to uh, laugh or cry, Uh, But I had to make it to this meeting, and fortunately I called my wife, and she happened to be nearby, and met me at a gas station, switched cars with me, was really kind of her. I made it to the uh, meeting, and the meeting went great. But afterward, I realized, man, my tank, my physical, uh, emotional tank is running low. My spiritual tank is running low. And in those times, here's what I need, a fresh experience with the presence of God. And so I got home that night, I went to bed early, got a good night of rest, got up in the morning, got a cup of coffee, got my Bible, got my journal out, and I spent an unhurried time, spent some unhurried time alone with God because time with God fills me, renews me, equips me, encourages me, comforts me, and strengthens me. And maybe some of you have never had an experience with God like that before you know what you you, you can do it it can be yours there's a verse in James I love this verse look at this come near to God this is really a promise come near to God and he will come near uh, to you you it means you don't have to spend you know hours and hours you know begging God to come near to you no 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 it could literally happen driving your car listening to some worship music and suddenly you realize you're not alone God is here God is with you, and he's comforting you. Could happen saying bedtime prayers with your four-year-old, and you realize God's here in this room. God's with us. When you come near to God, he will come near to you. And by coming to church, by gathering, by joining us here on the weekend, you know what, you put yourself in the best environment to experience the presence of God. Jesus said one time, he said, where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. Jesus is always with us, right? But when we gather together, it in, he says, it intensifies his presence in our lives. A fresh encounter with God gives us the fuel that we need to go and do what God wants us to do. A fresh encounter with God brings us to a deeper place of submission with him. You will only pray, send me, after you encounter the presence of God. All right, that's the first one. The second one is this. You need a genuine... Awareness of your sin, a genuine awareness of your sin. As Isaiah goes on describing this encounter with God, he says, It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I've got filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I've seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. See, Isaiah is in the presence of a perfect, sinless God. When all of a sudden he becomes aware that his life is filled with sin. Look at these words he uses doomed, sinful, filthy, inadequate. you ever ever had a moment where you're around someone and suddenly you uh, become aware of how inadequate uh, you are? You know, for example, uh, just hypothetically, maybe you go out to dinner with somebody and uh, you order, you go ahead and you order a burger topped with two slices of cheese and bacon and onion strings with a side of tater tots. I love, I love tater tots. And then the person you're with, they go ahead and they order. they order a salad, no dressing, just lettuce. Brussels sprouts on a bed of organic, uh, uh, of organic lettuce. yeah. And uh, suddenly you feel so inadequate because you ordered that burger smothered with cheese and bacon. right? Or maybe you go to the beach with some friends and you realize they worked out all winter and uh, you didn't. Or you stand next to someone who has a nice big full head of hair. Yeah, nice full head. Uh, You ever had a moment when you felt inadequate? And see, on on a cosmic scale, that's what's happening here. He's in the presence of God. Isaiah's in the presence of a sinless God. And he realizes how much his life is just filled with sin. You ever stopped and counted all the lies, all the sins, all the self centeredness, all the impure thoughts? all the greed, all the anger that God has had to, has had to forgive you know, in your life, uh, that'd be a really big number you know, for me. I don't think I can count, I don't, I don't think I can even count that high. But when you become aware of how vast your sins truly are, you realize that you're, you're in desperate need of a God who's bigger than your sin, who can remove that guilt. And forgive them for eternity. But maybe some of us here today, maybe we've never stopped and considered how much sin there might be in our life. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I don't even blame you because if you haven't encountered God, how would you even know? Or maybe some of you have never confessed your sins to God and asked him to forgive you, which he will do immediately. Maybe some of us just need a fresh reminder of how much sin. God's forgiven in in your life because the people who are most likely to say this prayer of availability like Isaiah are the people who live with an awareness of their sin. How much awareness do you have of your sin? Uh, Number three, it takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. Understanding God's grace, it will bring you to a point of Surrender. In verse six, Isaiah says then one of the seraphim, those are those angelic beings, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and he said, see this coal has touched your lips. This next part here, this is the good news. Say this with me, ready? Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So Isaiah saw the presence of God, he recognized I'm doomed, I'm ruined, I'm a sinner. But with one touch from the goodness of God, God completely forgives his sins. Imagine your self-centered thoughts, forgiven. Your lying lips, forgiven. Your lustful attitudes, forgiven. Your angry outbursts, forgiven. Your secret sin, nobody else knows about, but God does, completely forgiven, like they never even happened. When you understand that just like that burning coal touched his lips and, and that represented and and removed his guilt, the burning away of sin, the blood of Jesus covers everything, covers all our sin. When we sense God's presence and we're aware of our our sinfulness and then we experience the undeserved, unmatched grace of God through Jesus, here's our natural response. Here's, Here's the only reasonable response. We say, here I am, God. I'm available. Send me and this isn't, okay, you know, okay, if I have to, you know, I'll pray, I'll say this prayer of availability because Jesus has forgiven my sins. No, this is I get to do this. I get to serve him. This is God is gonna bring people across my path who need encouragement. and I've got encouragement from God in my life. If I just make myself available, God can use me to meet needs. This isn't, oh, I, I've, gotta, I've gotta serve God. No, this is I get to serve God because he loved and served me through Jesus. This is God, send me. I'm all yours, anywhere, anytime, anything. But here's why I think more Jesus followers don't don't pray this prayer. This is my theory, I can't prove this, but this is based on conversations that I've had with people. I think many people are afraid that God is gonna tell them to sell everything and send them to go be a missionary in Africa. And what you need to know is that might happen. He might call you to be a missionary in Africa, but it's more likely that he's gonna send you to be a missionary where you already work because that's holy too. It's more likely that he's gonna send you to serve the people in front of you, to serve the people that are around you, to be faithful with what he's already given you. That's what he did with Isaiah. God didn't ask Isaiah to go somewhere else. He sent Isaiah back to the very people, the very place that he had already put him. That's what happened to Isaiah. And that's what happened to an Air Force pilot by the name of Mark Schmidt. I want you to see a a, a video about Mark. He just lives this out so well. Take a look.
1: United States Air Force fighter pilots are the most laser-focused, passionate people you'll ever meet. If your reaction time is off by less than half a second, It is a life-or-death situation. They have to be that good. My job is to teach Air Force pilots the art and science of being a fighter pilot. When I got into the Air Force, The goal was I'm gonna be the best fighter pilot on the planet. And then I started looking to people that I worked with. They're really good at flying the jet and instructing, but some of them are in a very broken state. When somebody develops you in the military, they focus on the career progression. And that didn't allow for growth in other areas and the overall growth of a human being. We see it time and time again in our community. People are so good at being a fighter pilot, but they're missing these other critical ailments. I was jazzed when I got this assignment. I thought this would be an opportunity to change. We could do things better. Our most precious commodity is not this this jet, it is that wingman, and it's you, you the instructor pilot, and it's your family. And if we don't take care of that wingman, that instructor pilot, and if we don't develop them, then we failed. So we went right after the flight commanders. And we said, we are gonna make you a better fighter pilot, a better instructor, a better husband, a better father, I'm gonna make you a better leader. That is what we're gonna do over the next two years in the 435th. This message resonates with Air Force leadership. They wanna know how we're doing this. What is the model? His role is not in making sure that we're doing the mission. That's the director of operations job. That's his second in command's job. His job is to lead the squadron. His job is to build the Air Force's next great leaders. He asked me the first time we met is, do you care? And at first I'm like, well, of course I care. But if you think a little more deeply into that question, if someone cares, you can work with them on anything else. And I think the first step in caring about something is you have to have something that's bigger than you. And Kaiser definitely has something in his life, his faith that's bigger than him, that drives him. And it has had a tremendous impact on our squadron, the fact that he lives that out. My faith is everything. Is who I am. And I know you're not allowed to go ahead and preach your one religion. And as weird as it sounds, I kind of like the policy. Stop talking about it. Live it out. Live it out the way you lead, the way you teach, the way you treat other people. Our wingmen will not remember anything that I have taught them on basic fighter maneuvers. They won't remember that five years from now. But they will remember how they felt around me. They will remember, I felt inspired by this commander. I felt like he cared about me, and I knew if I didn't meet an expectation, he was gonna make me better because he loved me.
0: See, what I love about that story is that Mark took seriously that God sent him to the place that he already put him. God didn't ask him to go to some remote village in Africa. He could have. God didn't ask him to become a pastor. He could have. And Mark didn't do anything weird. He simply did something more with what God had already given him. Now, in the military, he couldn't teach about one religion. And maybe for you, you do need to use words. But whatever you do, maybe you're a pilot or a mechanic or an engineer or a truck driver, maybe you're a stay at home mom. or or dad, maybe you're a student, whatever you do and wherever you live, God has given you a unique set of people and circumstances and God's looking around and he's saying, who am I going to send to bring the message of love and hope to these people? And you may not think that you have enough talent, you may not think that you have the spiritual authority, but listen, God cares more about your willingness than your ability. God's not going to sit around and and wait for the talented people to become available. He's gonna use whatever abilities you have as long as you're willing to go. So to what person, to what place, to what situation does God wanna send you? Because you got people in your life that need what only God can provide. They need to know there's a better way to live. They need to know about the God who loves them. What if you are the person that God wants to send to them. And so today, I got, I got some challenges for you. I got three challenges for you. And we've listed them on a card that we made up for this weekend. It, it's, uh, it's green. It's in the chair back in front of you. It says, send me on top. Would you go ahead and just reach in front of you and, and pull that out? I want to go over that with you. And I'd love for you to fill this out today. It doesn't, it doesn't really obligate you. It just allows us to follow up with you and and uh, have a conversation and make sure that you've got your questions answered. So uh, three next steps that God may lead you to take uh, today. First of all, as many of you know, we have sensed God leading us to start a new location for River Glen in Pewaukee this this fall. God's raised up Dave Cole to serve as the campus pastor. And God has just opened the door to just an amazing Facility uh, in the old American building right off Interstate 94. I want to show you just a couple renderings of what this space might look like. Now, these are not final, and, and so it may change, but this will give you an idea of what it'll probably look like. It's a high visibility location, it's about 20 minutes from here. We've got 14,000 square feet, and this is right in the middle, the main entrance to that old American store, and, and we're gonna have this seven days a week to use to serve people and to reach more people for Jesus. Last week, the Pewaukee Plan Commission approved our use of this space. This next week, we've got one more meeting for approval, so keep that in your prayers. Here's the floor plan, and I think you can see here, we've got, we've got uh, about 370 seats in the auditorium uh, here, right here. And then we've got five classrooms. And then we've got great lobby space. We've got, we've got coffee here. We've got a fireplace over here. We've got a climbing wall. We've got space here for, for kids and their families. It's a great space. Great opportunity to reach more people for Jesus. But here's the challenge. We, we, we want, we need at least 200 people. We want to send at least 200 people to go over to Pewaukee and give that new location a strong start this coming uh, fall. Somebody uh, came up to me a couple weeks ago in the lobby, and they said to me, they said, I want to go to Pewaukee, but I feel like a traitor leaving here. And uh, I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, you're not leaving here. We're sending you, and you're still part of our church. We're we're a, we'll, we'll be a multi-site church, one church in two locations. So uh, you're, not, you're not leaving us. You're going with our blessing and our full support. And you'll be able to help more people. If you live in that area, this location is much closer to you and the many people that God has put in your life. If you want to find out more, just fill out that card uh, and uh, put that in the offering bag a little bit uh, later on. And if you've already filled out a Piwaki card, you don't have to fill out another one. But if you haven't, please do so, and, and uh, Dave will follow up with you. Or you can come back. Uh, you can also come back at 10.30. After the 10.30 service today, we're going to have an informational meeting in the Family Life Center. Now, as you can imagine, because of the Piwaki launch, we're going to need more help here, right? Maybe God is sending some of you here, Okay? Some of you already serve here. You already volunteer here. And maybe God is sending you to go to the next level as a a volunteer. Because here's what it will do. When you step up in your serving, it creates an opening for other people to step in to volunteer and to serve. And maybe God is sending some of you to step in for the first time and and volunteer around here. We're going to need hundreds of new volunteers. Sometimes people think, God... God's sending me to do something big. And maybe volunteering as a greeter, as a door greeter, maybe that doesn't sound big to you. But listen, when somebody new comes here for the first time and a greeter makes a good first impression, that's huge. That makes a really big difference. Maybe God's sending you here to serve. Fill out that card. And then one more challenge. Maybe God's leading some of you to get baptized. Maybe he's sending some of you to the baptistry. Just like that. That piece of coal uh, that the angel touched Isaiah's lips to represent the forgiveness of sins. It makes sense, doesn't it? That if God's going to forgive our sins, there'd be a symbol. There would be a ceremony. And I'm so glad that it's it's not the burning coal, hot burning coal. That sounds painful. But because we live after Jesus, baptism not only symbolizes your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but also the washing away of your sins. Sometimes people ask me this question, it's probably the number one question I get asked about baptism. I got baptized as a baby, should I do it again? And I always say yes. Not because what your parents did was wrong. They did that because they they loved you and they wanted to do something spiritual for you but you don't remember it and it didn't express the faith from your heart. That's why I always encourage people to make your own decision to get baptized as an expression of your faith. It's a beautiful ceremony and it will help you to feel forgiven and sent by God. And I think it fulfills what your parents wanted for you. If you've got some questions about it, if you wanna talk about it, or if you wanna just sign up for it, uh, there's there's space on that card. And uh, turn that in to the offering uh, today. I grew up attending a church in West Dallas uh, uh, where I grew up, I, I got baptized there at that church. And I I preached one of my first sermons at that uh, uh, church there. And at that church, we had one door. Maybe some of you grew up attending a church like this, where everybody came in one door, everybody left out one door. And the pastor, after the service, he'd stand at the door, and people would form a line. They'd shake hands with the pastor, and they'd say, you know, good sermon, good good sermon this morning, uh, pastor. Nod your head. Anybody else attend a church, grew up attending a church? Yeah, a few of you. I came across this story about a pastor standing at the door one day, and this guy walked by in the line, and he said, great sermon today, pastor, but then he got real emotional. He said, pastor, what you need to understand is my life has been transformed. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And the pastor didn't know what to say. He's like, okay, thank you. Next, God bless you. He just kind of went on down the line. Guy did this again for the next two weeks. He gets emotional, and he tells the pastor, God is so good. The answer is yes, now what's the question? Finally, the pastor says to him, can we get together for coffee and maybe we can talk about the question? He was curious. And over coffee, the pastor says to this guy, what's this whole question and answer thing? And the guy gets really emotional and he says, pastor, what you need to understand is that I was really, really messed up. And he goes down the list. He was addicted, he neglected his wife, His kids were in really, really bad shape. But he said, I came to church one week. He said, you preached the message. And it was like, God, open my eyes. I turned to Jesus. He said, I'm a new person. Everything's different. Nothing's the same. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Ask my kids. They'll tell you. I'm a different person because of Jesus. He said, Pastor, what I need you to understand is this. The answer is yes. Whatever you need. Mow the grass at 2 a.m., Pray for someone, go visit someone, go help someone, give to whatever. Pastor, God has so transformed my life, I'm all in. The answer is yes. Now what's the question? Completely available anywhere and all the time. How do you get to the place where you have the courage to pray that kind of dangerous prayer? God, I don't even need to know the details. God, as long as I know you're calling me Uh, If you're calling me, the answer, the answer is, is yes. How do you get there? You experience the presence of God. You acknowledge your sinfulness. You experience the undeserved grace of God through Jesus. When that happens, you give your whole life to God. Some people are gonna say, here I am, God, I'm not going. Here I am, God, send somebody else. But you're not gonna do that because you're gonna experience him. And when you do, you can't help but say, here I am, God. Send me. You know, God's always been ascending God. That's why he didn't just stay distant in heaven. He sent Jesus to come to this earth to live and and love us. And then Jesus ascended to heaven and he sent, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of our lives. And now the Holy Spirit sends us into this pain-filled, problem-filled world to be a blessing, to serve uh, other people. God sent his son. The son sent the spirit. And now the spirit sends you. And this is your opportunity. This is a great opportunity to be part of God's mission on earth. In a moment, the bread and the cup, reminders of God's son who has sent to us We'll come down your row. Take and eat that bread that represents his, his body and drink the juice that represents his blood. And would you, would you pray that dangerous prayer today? Here I am, God. I'm available. Send me. Let me pray for us and then we'll pass communion. God, just like Isaiah, I pray that every one of us here would experience your presence in a fresh way. God, in these next few moments especially, we would draw close to you and we would feel you drawn close to us, and that we would be aware of our sinfulness, but not to feel shame and guilt because of it, but to let it drive us to your son Jesus, that we would experience your love and grace and forgiveness through him. And God, because of these experiences, that we would pray the same type of dangerous prayer as Isaiah, here I am God, send me. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.